Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 152 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Elaine Hayworth. Elaine lives in Essex in the United Kingdom, and she is a risk manager. Welcome, Elaine. Hi, Jen. It's so fantastic to be with you. It is so great to talk to you as well. I always love a British accent of any type. Well, I'm going to disappoint you then because I'm definitely Irish. So I hope well, there's no, an Irish that not, twang okay, in there. Okay. Then British <laughs> is the wrong word. I love a Irish accent, UK accent. See, over here, we don't have the right lingo. No, it's definitely an Irish accent. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, well, I love an Irish accent, <laughs> right. a British accent, any kind of accent. Makes me happy. Yeah. And I love yours. 
I love listening to you. I, I walk on my, my walks on your podcast and I hear myself saying y'all. And it's like, oh, it's such a cute accent. I Thank you. Thank you. Yep. The, the Southern accent is definitely, yeah. definitely a different one. Well, anyway, I'm glad to have you here today. And I want to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, like so many people, Jen, a weight problem all my life. I've tried various diets. Weight Watchers was my most successful. About 30 years ago, I went on the Weight Watchers program, lost four stone in a year, and a year later had brought most of that back on again, as so many of us have. Um, I've also been quite careful about diets because I've worried about diets demonizing food. So I don't think there's anything wrong with food. It's just the way we deal with it. That's the problem. So, you know, I've read all the books about the Atkins diet, the Cambridge diet, keto, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat the other. But I wasn't attracted to them. So the main diets I have been attracted to were Weight Watchers, Slimming World, which I did quite successfully a couple of times. Um, And funnily enough, having said I don't like demonizing food, Rosemary Connolly's low-fat diet worked really well for me because she put in an exercise program at the same time. So I really... When was that one popular? When Was it the early 90s? Early 90s. Yeah. I had just moved into my own flat, first, first apartment I bought. So that would have been 95, 96. And that's when I'd, I remember I remember sitting in my bedroom doing all these exercises. So yeah, about then. And it really worked well. I could feel myself shaping up and that was quite a good one. But it didn't last like all the others. It's really hard to change completely what you're eating and just not eat the things that you want to eat. That's, that's the same with me. I don't want to eat a low fat substitute. I want to eat, you know, just real food that tastes delicious. I want to add butter to stuff. Um, Slimming World, I always thought that was a lot like Weight Watchers. Is it a lot like Weight Watchers? It is. It is a lot like Weight Watchers. They characterize food into red food and green food, I think. And I can't really remember because I didn't follow it for very long. But again, it didn't demonize any food. Okay. It just blocked them into you eat this type of food on this day and that type of food on another day. So it, you always were allowed any of the food you wanted. It was just the way they combined them that made a difference rather than... I always wondered because being in, in the Facebook groups, we hear you know all the members from the UK talk about Slimming World. So I always wondered, yeah. I was like, what is swimming, or slimming, slimming World? I'd rather go to Swimming World actually than <laughs> Slimming World. <laughs> I just found it quite complicated. You could have a lot of high fats on one day and then you couldn't have any the next day. And yeah, it again, my biggest problem, Jen, I'm too lazy to track. And that, yep. Oh, I just cannot be bothered. I want my food and I want it on my plate and I want, yes, I can eat that. I don't want to measure it. So, I don't want to weigh it. I don't want nope, to scan want it. To, no. Yeah. And, and even when I was doing Weight Watchers, I wouldn't count a calorie to save my life. I just, I had no interest in counting calories. Um, and I get very... Um, angry with people who say you can't have that Mars bar, you can't have that piece of chocolate, you can't have this or you can't have that. Because then I get a bit, you know, excuse me, I'm X age and I can have whatever I want. And then of course I eat it and then disaster, diet doesn't work after a while. 
So what brought me to DDD was um, over here in the UK, our newspaper, The Times, runs a health supplement in, um, in the midweek on Wednesday. I read an article last August that mentioned your book. Now, I really? don't know if you were... Yeah, I don't know if you were quoted in it or whether it was a comment somebody put into the comments when they were talking about intermittent fasting. And I just thought, well, that sounds a little bit more interesting, but okay. And then somebody else mentioned that they were eating 16-8. And actually, when they put it like that, it sounded really doable. I said, well, I sleep for 10 of those. So, I mean, surely I could manage 16-8. So anyway, I bought DDD. And at the time, there were two other major things happening in my life. First of all, my second daughter was taking off to university. And suddenly, we were going to have an empty house. And the second thing was happening, I had just finished my first year of my master's program. So I had a block of time free, September to January, before the second year of the master's started. And I had an empty house. And I was just starting to think, okay, we've brought up the girls for the last 22 years. Maybe time to start thinking about what I can do for myself. I didn't want the house to feel empty with nothing for me to concentrate on. Now, I have to be clear here, Julian, my husband, brought up the girls. I continued working and, and Julian stayed at home to look after the girls. So I don't want that to sound like I was the one doing everything because Julian did everything. He was amazing. It's still a lot though. Having kids at home is still... It was yeah. a lot. Yeah, it, it was tough. I, I mean, they were fantastic, both of them. But you know, it, it is a change in your lifestyle when your children leave. And my two are the same age as your two. So, you know, I get everything that you say. So I dropped the, the girls off and I came back home and DDD was sitting on my bedside table. And I thought, right, I'm going to read this tonight. And I picked it up. And you know what, Jen? You just spoke to me. It was as if I, you were telling my story. Weight up, weight down, weight up, weight down. I put on a stone each with each of the girls. And then it just crept up and it just crept up. And I worked very hard. I travel into London every day, travel back home. My days are very long. I leave the house at seven in the morning. I don't get home until half six, seven o'clock in the evening. So, I, I mean, they're all excuses. My girls told me all the time, mom, stop making excuses. Yeah, I know, but, you know, I just don't know how to deal with this. So I read the book. And, you know, the science really, really clicked with me. You know, all of our lives, Jin, people have told us about insulin, okay? Too much insulin, you've got diabetes. Too little insulin, you've got diabetes. So I've always assumed insulin was a diabetes problem and a diabetics problem. What I didn't know until I read your book is that insulin is swimming around my body all the time, preventing me from doing the things I want to do. So in the past, I've heard of Mike Mosley's 5-2 diet, but again, over here, I don't know what it was like in America, over here, very focused on diabetics. And this is a way to, you know, solve your, your diabetes problem. So anyway, read your book, got it about insulin, and then I started doing a little bit of research. And I started YouTubing, and I watched the YouTube video of Dr. Segal, 
about the personalized diet and how everybody has a different reaction to GI, which I found really, really interesting. But the one I love most was Jason Fung's uh, fridge and freezer analogy. Isn't that a good one? It is so clever. Oh, honestly, it just spoke to me. Everything, you know, your glycogen being stored in your fridge and you not being able to get into your freezer, which are your fat cells, because insulin is holding the key to the lock, practically. I mean, you know, I, I'm obviously paraphrasing. But I found that a really powerful analogy. And I just thought about all the food I'm eating going into my fridge and then all the energy I'm using coming out of my fridge. And when do I ever get into my freezer? Exactly. Holding my hands up as a girl who always forgets to go into her freezer to clear the food. It just literally spoke to me. I said, yep. This is it. it does. His analogies are fabulous. And um, you know, even if they're a little bit oversimplification, they still make so much sense. I used one, I think yesterday, someone um, in one of the groups was asking about, my trainer told me that if I do not immediately eat before and after a workout, that my body's going to burn all of my muscle. I'm like, does that make any sense? <laughs> think about it. I'm like, here's a Jason Fung analogy. You have a lot of firewood next to your fireplace. Are you going to chop up your dresser? No, you're not. <laughs> the body is not that stupid. I think that, that's the exact wording that he uses. The that's body the word. is not that stupid. You're not going to be, I'm working out and I'm burning all my muscle. To sh no. <laughs> Uh, muscle is so important. Why would it go after your muscle first? It's crazy. Somebody else said somewhere that like it's going to burn your heart muscle. I'm like, why would your body burn your heart muscle when you've got all this stored <laughs> fat? Like, honestly. <laughs> Insane. It is. But it's it's scary what people will believe. It's true. Yeah. It really, really is. And And how much trouble it gets us in because we want to believe something that people are telling us. And that's, you know, that just leads you down a path of absolute frightfulness for years and years and years. And we all are overweight forever and we can never get it off because we think we're going to burn our muscle. But we've got plenty of fat. We just have to unlock it by unlock it. lowering our insulin levels. Our and insulin. That's yeah. where that clean yeah. fast comes in. It's amazing. Yeah. And the science really did speak to me. And here's another thing, Jen. You're the first person who ever talked about a lifestyle around drinking water. So I don't drink tea or coffee ever. I've never had tea or coffee in my life. It horrifies my mum, of course. <laughs> so tea drinkers galore in Ireland, but I just never took to it. And I have drunk water all my life. When I left home, I started drinking Diet Pepsi because, do you know what? It was something I could never get at home. My mom would never buy me Diet Pepsi because, of course, there were nine of us and, or seven of us as we were growing up. And there was no way we were all having the individual drinks that we wanted. So they call, we, we, there's three younger. So there's four older ones then there's a bit of a gap. And then they're what they call the three babies, the three babies of which I'm now 54. Can we get over the baby name? Right. <laughs> um, they used to call us the water babies because we would come into the house and we would drink water all the time. So, so that really resonated with me. Oh, this is something I can do. And I especially love the part where, you know, exercise was chapter 16. <laughs> and I, You know, it's, it's the reality of exercise. Exercise does not do anything with your weight. Exercise is about health. It's about getting out and being fresh, getting fresh air, you know, doing all these things to make your body work better. But it's not necessarily going to change your weight.
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. And, and you know, there have been a few people over the years that read Delight on Deny and they they somehow come away from it that I'm saying don't exercise. No, you're not. I don't say do not exercise. No, exercise is a great, you need it for health reasons. Mm. But it's not your magical weight loss secret. I remember having this argument with my husband years ago, years ago. I mean, probably over 20 years ago, we had this argument. I'm like, exercise is not a great weight loss strategy for all of us. And he's like, yes, it is. Just move more. And (laughs) we had a huge fight about it. But hmm, turns out I'm not the only one who thinks that. (laughs) No, you know, lots of people do. But, you know, all those. So about four years ago, I I turned 50. and, And as a special celebration, I decided I was going to raise money and walk the Great Wall of China for a cancer research charity over here in the UK. And because, you know, by the time I got to 50, I had all the gifts I wanted. There was nothing else that anyone could buy me. I didn't want a house full of trinkets that had to be dusted because I'm not very good at dusting. I'm not very good at housework, let's be clear. (laughs) So I thought, no, I'll get everyone just to you know, help me fundraise. I raised loads and loads of money. But the other thing that happened was that they sent me a form to do this walk because it's quite a challenging walk. And at that time, I weighed 211 pounds. I've had to convert all my weight into into pounds because over here it's stone. Well, thank you. I have no idea what stones are. Is it 14 pounds of stone? 14 pounds into stone. Well, I didn't know that. (laughs) 
<laughs> you didn't know that. Yeah. So my BMI was 32 because I'm actually very tall. I'm five foot 10. So my BMI was 32. And I got a message from Marie Curie, the cancer charity, who said, look, uh, you need to be under 30 BMI to do this walk. I thought, oh, God, okay. So I went off and I did the Couch to 5K app. And I'm sure you're familiar with park runs, the, the weekly 5K runs. So I did couch to 5K in eight, eight weeks, got down to my running 5Ks. Then I did lots of park runs on the Saturdays and really enjoyed it. It was all fantastic. But of course, while I was doing all that exercise, I also stopped my takeaways and my chocolate and my treats and everything else. So I lost 40 pounds. I got down to 190, a BMI of 25, 27 and a half. Absolutely over the moon. Wrote off to Marie Curie. Yep, 27 and a half. I'm there. You know, I, I can do this walk. Uh, what irritated me more, Jen, when I got to China and discovered lots of other people hadn't paid any attention to that whatsoever. And they all came on the, and on the walk and they all were well over 30 BMI. I was like, okay, fine. Anyway, I did it and I felt So great. you actually went to China to walk the Great Wall of China? Yeah. Okay. See, I thought it was like a, I misunderstood that. I thought you were saying a it virtual. was virtual. Yes. I thought it was a virtual. Okay. So now it's a lot cooler. Yeah. But I was like, oh, a virtual walk of the Great Wall of China. You yeah, walked the Great no, Wall. No, no. I actually walked on the Great Wall of China. It was oh my gosh, the that's most fantastic. amazing experience. It was a truly, truly amazing experience. You, you get up, you know, you have to climb 3,000 feet just to get on the wall wow. every day. But the views and you can see the wall snaking out. It's just like a television photograph. It was the most amazing experience of my life. And, you know, I'm really that glad. That sounds like such an amazing trip. Yeah, I'm really glad I lost all that weight, Jin. I, I wouldn't have felt nearly as happy and comfortable doing it as I did when I was lighter. But it was it was truly awesome. I raised £12,000 for that charity. It was So £12,000 from that experience. That was great. So you lost, what was it, 40 pounds and raised £12,000. £12,000, yeah. Yeah, it made it a nice round number, I must say. I, my target it had been 10, but I just I just kept going when I got there. And what year was but that? It, that was 2016. Okay. Yeah, when, when we went off to China and walked that wall. So that was really amazing. But, you know, when I got back from China, I lost all motivation to run. Because, of course, the reason I was running was for China, and I'd done it and I'd ticked the box. And then, of course, what happened next? Yeah, my weight began to go back up again. Because not only had I stopped running, but the treats had come back in and um, and the takeaways and, and all the rest of it. And the weight just started to climb and climb. And, you know, I didn't really pay that much attention to it. And it wasn't until I saw a photograph. Aren't photographs the key to this? They are. Because you see a photograph and you just think... Crikey, was that me? And every now and again, one of my sisters will send me a, a photograph and I'll just say, oh my word, did I actually look like that? Yeah. Facebook memories are also the best for that. They'll yep. pop up yep. and I'm like, okay, look, there's 2012. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. God that's over. So it's they're great true. for comparing. Yeah. Yeah. So photographs are the worst. And my Costco membership card still has a photo of me from like 2012 and I look at right. it and every time yeah. I go to Costco, <laughs> my work ID photograph is a, a bigger photograph of me. I don't like calling it my fat photo, but it really is. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep saying to myself, I have to send a new photograph into the security team and get them to move it around because it's horrible. 
But, um, you know, it, it's the journey we go on. And you know, I've heard lots and lots of people say, oh, I wish I'd found this 30 years ago. I'm not sure I would have been ready for this 30 years ago. I agree. I think if somebody had said to me 30 years ago, Elaine, you can fast for 16 hours and lose all this weight, I'd have said, yeah, well, why would I want to fast for 14, 16 hours? You know, I do believe you're ready for it. You get to a point and, you know, I've been lucky. I, I absolutely accept I'm five foot to, 10 tall. It really makes a difference. Within two weeks of 16, eight, people at work were saying to me, are you doing something? Is something changing? So in two weeks, I'd lost 13 pounds. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, it was amazing. When you started intermittent fasting, what was your weight then? I knew you had, I know you'd lost about, what was it, 40 pounds for the walk, but then you regained. Yeah. Then I put on another 20. So I was at 221 when I started intermittent fasting, 221. 221? Yeah, 221. And then literally within two weeks, the first 13 were gone. That's amazing. And it is amazing. And But I will say my body has always been very responsive to diets. So that's happened with Weight Watchers. It happened with Slimming World. And it happened with Rosemary Connolly. A very, very quick, you know, that inflammation gone really, really quickly. But after three weeks, I it slowed down, so as it would. And, uh, you know, on the third week, I'd only lost one pound. And I thought, yeah, do you know what? I can hoover a whole lot of food away in eight hours, Elaine. <laughs> Time to tighten it up a little. So I went to 18.6. I just, you know, a couple of more hours. And that was absolutely fine. But, you know, my sweet spot, just like you, 19.5. That's a really good one. Thank you, Dr. Bert Herring, who came up with Absolutely. the Fast Five plan, because that just really seems to be such a livable eating window. And, you know, even though I don't count mine, so very often I'll be like, just out of curiosity, how long was it? And so often it was five hours. Yeah, five hours. <laughs> yeah. And I read his book and it resonated with me too. But certainly, you know, I, I've, I looked through my numbers before we started, obviously, Every week I was losing at least a pound, if not two. There was there was one point where I went to Ireland. So I started in September 19. And there was one point where I went to Ireland in December to visit home for a long weekend. And I went up a pound. And that's literally the only blip in the whole year. Every other um, time it, it just came down and down and down. And and that wasn't because I stopped fasting. It was just because oh, yeah. at home, I was, they were longer. They were longer fasts. I probably wasn't eating quite as carefully as I do these days. And But here's the miracle, Jen. I didn't care. It Isn't was a couple of best? pounds. It is amazing because a week later, those two pounds were gone and I was back on track. Now, we don't have Thanksgiving like you have, but Christmas was really worrying me. Oh, Lord, how am I going to get Christmas? The kids were home, you know, food everywhere, the usual stuff that we all do. But you know what? I did. I, I didn't stop fasting. And, and it didn't matter. I had my dinner at the same time as everybody else, but I just built it into my schedule. It wasn't a big deal. So I'd lost most of my weight by Christmas. And then, then of course... COVID hit. Yeah. What a year 2020 was. But you know, Jen, so here's the thing about 2020. It was an awful year for so many people. I put up a post, I don't know if you remember, in and, and I said, what good things happened to you in 2020? Because I know you had a great year. I had a great year professionally. Yeah. I lost my weight. I graduated from my master's. I do remember uh, that post. Yeah. Yeah. And I was almost 
embarrassed to say I'd had a good year when so many people have had tragic years. But I still felt we should enjoy the good years. Absolutely. Yeah. Celebrate. Well, it's true because we there were a lot of good things that happened. People got married. People had babies. People had yeah. all sorts of celebrations happening. And so, you know, those people deserve to celebrate every good thing that all of us, we deserve to celebrate every good thing. We all and, do. and even as, you know, with the bad thing, bad things happen every year too. Bad things all happened in yeah. 2019 and in 2018. They happen every year. This was just an unusual kind of year, obviously, but we deserve to celebrate the good things. All of us do. I think so too. And actually, that was an amazing thread. And I still go back to it every now and again. If I want to cheer myself up, if I've had a tough day, I go back into that thread. And I mean, I had 400 responses. I've never had such engagement in a thread in my entire uh, social media career. But everybody was celebrating joyful events happening. As you say, marriages, babies, new houses, moving, retirement, fantastic things, graduation. There were lots of us who graduated. So, and I I, I just think it's still really important to celebrate those good things. I agree. And now I've, I've completely lost track of why I was telling you that. Well, that's all right. Just COVID hit. You were telling your story. COVID and then hit. COVID yeah. hit. What happened? You know, that was a year that for the first time ever, you know, I've been running these Facebook support groups since 2015 when I started my first one in August of that year. And, you know, usually we see people once they hit maintenance, maintenance is usually pretty smooth sailing. But all of a sudden this year, 2020, really people were suddenly gaining weight that had been maintaining. And, you know, was it that intermittent fasting had stopped working? No, the stress of COVID made such a difference. Yeah, sorry. Thank you for the reminder. When COVID hit, my business uh, sent everybody to work from home. So I had two different stressors going on there. First of all, I was at home uh, within four steps of my kitchen and my fridge and my cupboard. But also I was running our COVID response as a risk manager. That was my job to make sure our business was COVID secure and that we could make things happen. So if you think about it, it's in 10 days time, we will have been in lockdown for a year here in the UK wow. with only with only two blips where it was slightly eased during the summer and slightly eased during December. So it is It's so interesting to think about different places like how how locked down have you been? Well, I literally have not left my house except for my 5 kilometer walk every evening for 1 hour since December of this year, but before that From March to December, I'd only been to London five times. And I worked there all the time. So five times I left my house. You you just, it was, I can't even tell you. I mean, I have a path worn in my house from kitchen to dining room where I sit up and study or uh, work. Because, yeah, the the lockdown was, if you were taking it seriously, and let's face it, there were lots of people who weren't. I had to take it seriously because actually I have a duty to the people who I work with not to go bombing off on holidays because, you know, we're supposed to be locked down. So I can't mandate to my office. You cannot go into the office or you cannot, you know, go on holiday or you cannot do anything if I'm going to break those rules. And I'm I'm not really a rule breaker. I I'm get a risk it. manager. I'm, I'm, I understand. Yeah. That's not the field you go into if you're going to be no, like, you know, just yeah, I'm break the rules. carefree yeah. and doing whatever by the 
seat of your pants. I get that. But absolutely. Yeah. So lockdown has been fairly severe. And, you know, today was the first day our kids went back to school for almost a year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. See, our kids here where I live here in Georgia in the school system where, where I taught, where I retired from, those kids were out of school from March through – no, they, I don't think they went back at all that school year, but they went back in the fall. They went back in August. Yeah, in fairness, I so think – So they've been back in school since August. They've been in person. But your kids just went back. No, no. So that's not true because it's, it's because I don't have kids. Uh, they did I, go I back. Okay. Yeah, they did go back in uh, September. Then they go back three home. Months, and then they stopped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and now they've only just gone back after the December break. And, you know, I won't be able to get my hair cut until April. And my hair is making oh, me cry. It's so much of so it. So have y'all not had salons open? <laughs> no, nothing like that. And that won't be open until April. So we're, we're all trying to get our heads around the fact that teachers can go into schools with lots and lots of children, but I can't see my own hairdresser on my own with nobody else. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all crazy. And, and really, they're saying here, you know, there's not much chance of us going back to the office before the uh, 21st of June. Wow. And by this will come out. This this we're recording this in in March. So when this comes out, it'll be June seventeenth. So it'll be interesting to see. Or you you might be just about to go back into the office. Let's yeah, cross I, our fingers, right? Oh, I I hope so. I mean, I have enjoyed working from home, but I really want to meet people again. Facebook and Zoom is so two dimensional, and and I I miss the energy from people. I miss the we all have an energy. Yeah. See, I'm a very much a homebody. I've I've learned, but I miss seeing people. Like I I can go days and only see my husband, and that was even before the pandemic. Now that I've been working from home, so I only see him, but he comes home and he's crabby. I'm like, I need cheerful people. I need happy people. Yeah. <laughs> I need somebody who's not grouchy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went in to meet my boss for lunch in September. It was the one day I went in in, in three months. And it was so amazing to actually have a real person in front of me. It, it's a different energy. It's different to Zoom and, and, and all of these calls. But for me, COVID meant I had to make an adjustment to my fasting schedule because five hours again became too long. I could hoover down too much food in five hours. I wasn't getting up and out. I wasn't exercising. So for me to get into work, I walked two and a half kilometers to my train station. At the other end in London, I walked two and a half kilometers to my office. So that's 10 kilometers a day, which I wasn't doing. So while we say exercise isn't fixing your weight. It really isn't. But I had no movement. I had no energy. So I changed my schedule to 24 to try and, you know, have that snack at the beginning and then a main meal and maybe something sweet at the end um, because 19.5 was too long. And, and there was probably a bit of cortisol in there, a little bit of stress. I was very frantic with work, taking calls all the time. When can we get back in the office? How are we going to fix things? All of that kind of stuff. So I changed to a 24. And here's the other interesting thing I've changed, the timing of when I eat. So when I was working, my five hours were between two in the afternoon and 7 p.m. because I would get home from work at half past six and sit down and eat with my husband and be finished by seven. So in order to have that meal with Julian, I would 
start my open my window at two and finish at seven. But what I'm finding here is that I've moved my window back to 11 in the morning and I'm finished by two or three. And I'm actually finding it easier to fast longer during the day than I used to. That's so great. It's again, this whole listening to what your body is saying. I, I don't like to have to wait a long time when I wake up in the morning to eat. Although I've never eaten breakfast in my life. I hated the first thing in the morning breakfast. But now I'm kind of thinking well, 11 o'clock is a good time for me to eat. And of course, by the time I wake up in the morning, I'm 17 or 18 hours fasted. So it's only a few more hours and I can eat. That's great. So I've, it's, with that, it's just a new schedule with your new back at home. Now, do, when you go back life, to the yeah. office... Do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll move it back. You'll move yeah, it back. Yeah, I'll move it back because I, I like to have a meal with Julian. I like to eat with him once a day. So, and that's my lifestyle. And IF just fits into my life. I don't fit my life around IF. This is my lifestyle and this is how IF works. I love that. And, and that's what I love so much about it, Jen, because it's my life. It's not my fasting life. My fasting will fit with my life. And, and I love, yeah. It just makes me feel comfortable that I can do that. And That's great. And and being able to move it around for a different stage of your life is the perfect thing. Or when you're, you're in a different work situation, this is the window that works versus when you're in a different another one. That's the window that works. And being able to have that flexibility, I think, is so very key. I just recently did some experimenting with my window timing and moved it a little earlier. And I enjoyed it for a few weeks. And then I wasn't sleeping. Well, it's funny you should say that because I have struggled a bit more than with the sleep. Really? Now, I did my test and I'm a bear, so I should be in bed by half 11 and mm. getting up at half seven in the morning and I'm still awake at two. So Mine was the opposite. On. It shifted me to the point that I wanted to go to bed at like 7.30, 8pm and I was waking right. up super early. It's like just changing my meal to earlier made me shift my whole sleep. Yes. Uh, apparently my body really likes to go to bed a few hours after eating my main meal and and then it wants to sleep a certain amount of time and it doesn't matter what time it is my body wants to wake up <laughs> oh, so i was like wanting to go to bed at 7 7 30 p.m and wanting it's to wake up early. and i'm like okay this is not working that's not gonna work no no i treated myself to a weighted blanket yeah and actually i'm sleeping like a log under that blanket yeah my husband hates it and i bought a double because we're in a double bed obviously and he hates it so now he just pulls it on the top of me and i'm i'm doubly weighted oh, that's funny you're so extra weighted I, I, I'm extra weighted, but I sleep like a log. I, I just go straight out. That's a, that's a great tip for people that might be struggling with sleeping because we hear that. I haven't tried a weighted blanket, but a lot of people swear by them. Now I feel like maybe I should try it. Well, it it actually, it really pins you to the bed, I have to say, but I love that. I, it's it's a security. I feel absolutely secure in my bed and weighed with this blanket. I, I just sleep like a log. I've, I've never known anything like it. I'm sleeping better than I ever have in my entire life with That's this good. blanket. Yeah, yeah. And I've tried the blue blocking glasses and they didn't work in the same way. I mean, they work and I, and, and I use them every now and again, but the blanket has absolutely cleared that problem for me. So I'm delighted. That's a great, a great tip. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. I want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Awesome. So it. you um how much weight have you lost overall from the beginning when you started intermittent fasting in September, you said of 2019 to yeah, now? I I hit goal in 
uh, on June 30th with a big shout out to Roxy. Who Yay, took Roxy. me through my first mealless Monday because, okay, so I've lost 56 pounds. But what was happening with my last two pounds? I was losing two ounces at a time. I said, oh, for God's sake, what's going on? And literally every week for three weeks, it was 0.2 of a pound. I cannot stand this. And of course, I just got really impatient. And then I saw Roxy doing a mealless Monday and I said, right, I'm having some of this. So I did the mealless Monday and I took off three pounds wow. and that was it. It was gone. I was so excited. Roxy was fantastic. She literally talked me through every stick. It actually, you know, it really wasn't as difficult as I thought. I had been practicing for a long time. I, I truly believe in practicing that fasting muscle. It, it makes such a difference. I had done 19.5 for months. Then when I came home for COVID, it was 24. So I was used to 20-hour fasts. I was knocking it up every now and again to 21 or 22. By the time I came to the meal this Monday, that hot spot for me was 24 hours. And I had arranged to go out for a walk. And I walked it off. And I came back in. And it was a breeze. The rest of it was easy peasy. So yeah, 56 pounds. So not a huge amount. But enormous for me. And, and I think that's huge. I think that is a fantastically good amount. It gave me such a, do you know, I still walk past a mirror in my hall and think, whoa, stop. Is that me? <laughs> Literally, I think my bum walks past as quickly as my head. And I'm thinking, no, sorry, <laughs> there must be more of me behind there. And there isn't. Such and a good feeling to love what you see in the mirror. It really is. And, and for me, I, I don't know about other people, but for me, I just feel so slender. That, that fluffy weight that you call it, that used to gather around my hips. I mean, I still have a little tummy. I have had two kids. It's not going away. Yeah, me too. I, still have. I can live with it. <laughs> but, but when I look in the mirror, I, I'm just slender. And, and my hands are, are just beautiful. My fingers are long and slender. My rings, of course, falling all over the place, which is a pain in the neck. But, you know, I love to see it because it reminds me. It's a little bit of a reminder. Oh, yes. OK, I'm still on track. If my rings are still slipping around my finger, then I'm still on, on track. Maybe it's time to get those resized. Uh, um, do you know, Jen, I still have that kind of, oh, what if I make a mistake? What if I get this wrong? What if I fall off the wagon? I know I there's that. no wagon. Yeah. So, yes, I, that will be a real step. It's Well, it's because everything else we've ever done, we always regained the weight. So that's, I, I get it. That little bit of fear, you know, even for me, as I'm, you know, I am a week away from six years from hitting my original goal. In one week from today, because we're in March, I will have six years from when I hit my original goal. This is the only time in my life that I've been in, in a goal and stayed there. And for six years is a long time. But but prior to that, though, even you know the first year, the first two years, I was still, you know, when I when I first hit my goal, I was like, you know, this could all go away. I could regain all this weight like I have every other time. Yeah, me too. And I don't want to be complacent about it. I think, you know, I have to remember that this is a, a lifestyle I have chosen. And I, I think I'll get better at that. I've thrown away my scales. You'll be delighted. To, well, I haven't. I've, I got my lovely new... <laughs> I, I literally took your advice on this, actually, I, because I always thought I couldn't get rid of my scale. I love my scale. So I don't have a bad relationship with my scale. I, I gave him a name. I, I discovered when I started fasting, I, um, I discovered, I realized that my 
the scale I had when I started. I've been in a relationship with for longer than my husband. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I know. I'd had it for over 30 years. I bought it when I did my first weight watching session. And I thought, oh, I've known this longer than Julian. Time to get a new scale. So I went off and I bought myself one of the Renpo, you know, recommended by so many people on, on the, the website. And I had my app and I called him Ben. And I'd go in to say hello to Ben every morning. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Because, of course, at the beginning, I just kept going down. And then I started maintaining. And I'm like, okay, Ben, you know, be nice to me today. So he was great. Um, but then my husband needed to weigh some cement mix and he took it into the garage at the beginning of the year, Jin. And of course, being a man, didn't think he needed to bring it back. Okay. So for three weeks, I had no scale and I was like, oh, can I cope? Can I cope? And you know what? I could. And here's the thing, I have a waist measurement, which I measure all the time. And I had a goal with my waist measurement of half my height. So my height is 70 inches, half my um, height is 35, and my waist is at 32. And I measure that all the time. It, it gives me, I, I have leeway to go to 35, but there's no way I'm going to 35. I'm very happy with a two in, 32 inch waist. So it took two weeks to be comfortable with not weighing and I haven't put on any extra weight. So I did treat myself to a weigh this morning because I knew I was going to speak to you today and I'm still within my range. So as soon as I hit my goal of 165, I said to myself, I don't think it's possible for somebody to just be one weight all the time. So I gave myself a range and I said three above, three below. So anything between 162 and 168 and I'm perfectly happy. That's perfect. That's such a healthy way of thinking about it for people that weigh. And again, you know, I'm not anti-weighing um, and sometimes people think that I am. I am anti anything that doesn't work well for you. For some people, not weighing doesn't work well because they gain weight if they don't weigh. And and so those people might need to weigh. For me, it's better to not see a number because I have so much associated with that number in my head. And that's, that's my, you know, we all have issues. I've got issues. Yeah, we've all had them. Yeah, <laughs> I got absolutely. Some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I was always very comfortable. I mean, I didn't do a lot of weighing in my younger years. I mean, obviously 30 years ago, I knew what I weighed when I went to Weight Watchers. But before that, I was just always considered the big girl without knowing what that weight looked like. And I didn't really care. I was just considered the big girl and I never thought about it any other way. You know, I, I'm a healthy, I have a healthy attitude to data. Data to me is really, really important. I write notes all the time. Well, actually, I put them all into my phone now. I don't write anything anymore. But, you know, I, I took the data from the, the Rempo scale and I fed it into my happy scale so I could see the numbers and, and the numbers all made sense to me. But, you know, Jin, I recognize that if I had a, an Indian takeaway last night, that number is going to go up. Hey, okay, that's fine. Do you know what? In three days, it's going to be gone down again. So relax. I, I could always work out what was going to happen to my numbers. I got really good at that as well. And, you know, as people people know from hearing my story, I weighed every single day that I, I was losing the weight. And then I also weighed for the first year of maintenance because, you know, I needed that accountability. It was only when uh, I think there was actually a period of time that I started to weigh weekly for a while. Just I was like, if I weigh weekly, I'll be fine. You know, that'll just keep me on the right track. After being someone, you know, who weighed daily and then calculated my weekly average to see what was happening, 
I, I said, I'm just going to weigh weekly. And I don't think I've ever really talked about this, but weighing weekly really messed with me. And that was that was when I stopped weighing completely because I found myself, I knew I was going to weigh on Friday morning, for example. On Thursday, I thought, you know, my husband might be like, let's go eat Mexican food. And I'd be like, well, I can't because tomorrow I have to be I'm going to weigh. And so on Thursday, I would be like trying to diet. So my Friday, and I'm like, this is crazy. I do not want to live my life so that I can get a good weight on Friday. So that was when I stopped weighing completely and didn't weigh at all and was able to, you know, I was able to just rely on my clothes and my honesty pants and all of that. But I think I would be better to weigh daily than than once a week just because I played games with myself that day. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It was, it's it, berserk it, to think about, you know. Yeah, it, it messes with your head. It really, really does. I was very lucky through IF because I didn't have to give up anything. I was able to eat my favorite foods within that window. Now, what did change was my taste. I love it. So, you know, my six cans of Diet Pepsi a day, obviously, because I only had five hours, I was only having two. Right. But actually, I gave it up for Lent last year. And the next time I had it, I was like, I drank this stuff. I drank it by a gallon. Diet sodas are like that. I can remember I I was a Diet Coke drinker for a while in, in my life. And when I gave it up and then going back to it, but I mean, you like craved that diet Coke, you know, and, but then you taste it after not having it and you're like, oh, this is so terrible. So I was hoping it would happen earlier. So I, I was kind of hoping in my first six months, I would go off Diet Pepsi because everyone told me all the time how awful it was for me. I said, yeah, but I really like it. And it's I really drink, loved it. You know? I loved yeah. Diet Coke. I loved it. Yeah. But, but giving it up was the absolute key because when I went back, I was like, oh, I'm never going to drink this again. And that was a real revelation. And people still cannot believe that I do not drink Diet Pepsi anymore. Because you were uh, everyone, known for that, right? I was, yeah. Everyone has assumed that the Diet Pepsi sales have fallen off a cliff because <laughs> Elaine isn't drinking Diet Pepsi anymore. I would buy boxes of 24 cans and drink it in a week, you know, without any problem. It was my go-to drink all the time. But also, I just found... I'm not eating as much rubbish as I used to eat. That whole window-worthy thing really works for me. I want the nice food and I, you know, I eat plenty of it. I, I don't go hungry for a single second. And actually, there's sometimes I get to 20 hours and I think, well, I'm not really hungry, so I'll just push it a little further. And it's listening to myself. I have actually, you know, my husband will say, how can you not eat for 20 hours? He does not believe me when I tell him I don't feel hungry. I absolutely do not feel hunger. I get that, yeah. It's it's really it's, it's weird. hard for people to understand until they've lived it sometimes because yeah. you know, we're so used to being hungry every few hours, you know, for eating the traditional, you know, meals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time. And you know, I, I do compensate. So on a Friday evening with the family, the girls will and us will go on a Zoom call and we have what we call curry night. So we'll all make a curry and either we'll be eating it or one of them will be making it. And we have an hour and a half on the phone with each other every Friday night, purely because of the lockdown. We haven't seen each other for months and I just like to keep in touch with them. And what happens because 6.30 is much later for me than normal. I get around to lunchtime on Saturday. I'm really not that hungry. But 
Julian makes a great soup. So, he, you know, he'll do a carrot and lentil and chili soup, which is fabulous. Or he does an onion and brown lentil, which is just gorgeous. So actually, I have a 500 calorie down day. Okay. And on Saturday? Yeah, on the Saturday. After my big curry meal on the Friday night, I'll have the down day on the Saturday. I didn't realize this, of course, until Roxy started educating me on how all of this works. Um, and then I'll have a proper feed on Sunday. And, and it's just a lovely weekend. I have a great few hours with my girls and a lovely meal. Then I have a lighter day on a Saturday because I'm not doing anything. So I have my soup and a, a roll of bread or something. Everything's great. And then Sunday, I have a refeed. And Monday, we're off again, 24. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I love that. See, that is such a good way of fitting it into your life. And you do not feel the least bit deprived. You're having beautiful food. I'm like, really like the sound of his soups because I love lentils. And oh, yeah, he's great. I'll put up some recipes for you. The carrot and red lentil and chili. Oh, my word. I, I would love that. Pint. I could drink it by the pint, but I have to be very careful and just put it into a bowl. Now, Elaine, <laughs> one bowl at a time. Yeah. But here, can I ask you a question about bread? Sure. Okay? So here's an interesting experiment I did. I stopped eating white bread at Christmas time because I heard a lot of people saying how bad it was for you. And I'd never really had a bad reaction, but I stopped. And then I had some early in January. I got this funny bloated feeling in my tummy. I said, whoa, Elaine, you do have a reaction to bread. You're not to have white bread anymore. Well, a couple of weeks later, my darling husband made me scrambled eggs on toast. So he toasted the white bread and I had scrambled eggs and I was absolutely fine. I have no idea what happens to bread when it gets toasted, but the reaction disappears from me. That's so interesting. Have you tried it again since then without the Not toasted? Since then. It no. might just have been a weird little coincidence. Like maybe I yeah. can't imagine the toasting, but I mean, who I, knows? I can't. I can't. It could have just I, been a one-off kind of a thing. Yeah, or maybe the through. eggs helped it in some way, helped maybe. my body digest it better. I, I was literally thinking, but I can't eat white bread without a tummy ache. And 
I didn't get a tummy ache. Well, that's good. But try, so to, try it again and see. You know, who knows and uh, what that could have been. I'll come back to you and let you know. Let me know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, Tag it just me. seemed like such a weird difference. How, how does that work? But I might just try and have some white bread again. Brown bread is fine. I can eat brown bread and there's no problem with it at all. But I've never been a big fan. So that's why I stayed with the white bread. Oh, really? See, I am now like... Like I love, I love a good whole wheat more than anything. Like, you know, when I first started making bread with the artisan bread in five minutes a day, I was using white flour and mixing it up and it was amazing. And then when I started grinding my own wheat, and that of course is a lot more of a long process and it it was very different and um, it wasn't as quick to whip it up and throw it in the fridge and keep it in there. And then, though, I was like, well, I'm just going to go back to the way I was doing it because it was easier. And I went back to it, and we did not like it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Our tastes have now changed. It was just bland compared to the um, the whole wheat. So. The whole wheat and nutty flavor that you get. Well, I'm, I'm finding myself liking brown bread. And honestly, my husband would tell you I'm a chameleon. What, what has happened here? Elaine never ate brown bread in her life. And now suddenly she's enjoying it. So he's fed up because I'm eating his brown bread. Oh, I, can't eat, I can't eat dairy. So I can't eat cheese or butter or cream or milk. I can't have any of those things. Well, that's really sad for an Irish lassie. Well, yeah, but I never did. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I have churned butter. I have made clotted cream. I just find them revolting. I okay, so you don't I, like I, I don't them. I don't know what it is. I don't like them, no. And and they make me react. I mean, you know, literally want to vomit every time. It's okay. just really, really horrible. So Julian's delighted because he loves cheese. So all the cheese in the fridge goes straight to him. But now I'm eating his brown bread, so he's not too happy about that. But you don't put butter <laughs> on it. No, uh, no butter. What do you put on it? Nothing. Okay. Dry. I leave it dry. <laughs> I know. I'm weird. So I'll have a, a meat sandwich or, you know, tuna or salmon, you know, something, but I won't put butter on my bread ever. Oh, gosh. To me, they go together, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you got your butter. You got your bread. That's why I can only do f low fat for so long. Cause okay. <laughs> So uh, I, I'm convinced I have a, a little hang up from my mum who used to spread an inch of butter onto a bread and then bite through it. And it just made me. You were Ill. just like, uh-uh. No. Oh, God, I couldn't look at it. It was just awful. That's yeah. so funny. So have you had any positive health changes besides the weight loss? Well, I've lost some skin tags. Do you know, I just feel better. I have I've taken up yoga. And from not being able to do anything, I can now get out of my jumpsuits. I don't know if you saw my post with my first ever jumpsuit and suddenly realizing I needed an extraction technique. Oh. <laughs> this shoulder comes up in that direction and that shoulder goes up and I hadn't a clue what I was doing. Gina, That's so funny. So the clarity is there. I, I, I love, I, you know, working when I'm fasted because I try and put all my really important meetings in the morning because I'm just so much more tuned in to, to what I have to think. All, all the usual stuff. I, I don't think I'm any different from anybody else. I, I get a tremendous energy. I notice it more when I go over the 24 hours. I, I do that every now and again. And, and I can feel that autophagy buzz. I can just feel, whoa, there's something that ketosis happening. is going yeah. You know, yep. It's and just you know, rocketing up. Skin tags are related to insulin resistance. So the fact that you lost skin tags shows that you know, there's been a correction yeah. there. So that's, there that's an important yeah. one. A lot of people are like, why did I lose my skin tags? But that's why. Skin tags are, are one of the, the hallmarks of being insulin resistant. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, when I, during both my pregnancies, I was tested for gestational diabetes and I was never positive. And then um, after each of the pregnancies, the doctor called me back for another diabetes test, but never, I never went down that track. Now over here, I, I know, I, I read the posts all the time where you all know your numbers inside and out. I wouldn't recognize an AC1 number if it got up and bit me on the backside because <laughs> I've never had a test test any of that kind of so stuff. So they don't tell you your A1C at all of your appointments? We tend to go to a doctor if we're ill. Okay. That's the only reason I ever go to the doctor. So the last time I've been to the doctor, 12 years ago, I had to have a hysterectomy. And that's as long as it's been. Now, oh, wow. we do do preventative maintenance. So I've had mammograms and, and, and that kind of stuff. Obviously, I don't need smear tests anymore. But we get that kind of coverage. Okay. But I, I just don't go annually to check up that I'm okay. And so I've, I've no idea what any of my numbers might be or might ever have been. It's just not what we do over here when it comes to medical hair. Well, that makes sense. So um, is there anything that you struggle with? Well, I used to struggle with sleep. Uh, but my blanket seems to have calm, calmed that. that down. I guarantee somebody's <laughs> listening right now and they're like, I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they do. Funnily enough, I struggle with my vibration plate. Oh, that's so, funny. What's, yeah. what's your vibration plate struggle? So I get this histamine itch, this mm-hmm. itch through my right leg. It's only on my right leg. So I treated myself to a vibration plate because I, I went on Amazon. It was 250 pounds. I said, no way am I ever paying 250 pounds. And then my company gave me a bonus because of my COVID work of 250 pounds of Amazon oh, vouchers. You had to literally, do it. literally a week after I'd looked it up, I said, fine. Okay. That's Thank you, God universe. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> I, I do listen sometimes. So I bought my vibration plate. But what I discovered after three months, this itch had come from nowhere. And I just couldn't, couldn't work. I couldn't live with it. It was absolutely killing me. So I stopped for two months and the itch went away. And now I do it intermittently, as it were. I do it two or three times a week rather okay. than every day. Just and no to itching. Try and, yeah, no itching with that. I, somebody on the, on the face group, said it was antihistamine or a histamine itch. It certainly could be. Yeah, because yeah. it stirs things up. So, you know, we've got all sorts of stuff packed away, you know, in our fat cells or in our lymphatic system, which is like, you know, our, our body's sewer system. And so then we get on the vibration plate and it's like, it's like if you wade through a puddle, the sludge all kind of gets, you know, stirred up yep. and that's what yep. the vibration plate can do. So it might cause you to feel worse for a while. It's probably doing something really useful. It's probably moving something that needs to be moved. But the itch is, I mean, I've literally scratched my way to bleeding. It's not good. So I just stopped. I said, no, I need to be sensible. I didn't even realize what it was for a long time. I thought I was allergic to something else. And then I read it on the Facebook. Oh, it could be the vibration plate. And when I stopped, the itch went with it. So clearly that. So I just need to monitor that a little bit more closely. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? So there are a couple of things I would say to somebody. Comparison is the thief of joy. Do not compare yourself to other people on the Facebook groups. It's an experiment of one. I used to try and compare myself to fix on a target. So I always wanted people to put in their heights so I could guess what they were doing height-wise. But, you know, if I went with the math for my height, my target weight would have been 150 pounds. That's, what, five pounds for every 
And that's just a rough rule of thumb. And that's a rough rule of thumb. But when I went to 150 with Weight Watchers, my mom thought I had cancer. It's not a good weight for you. It's not a good weight for me. So 165 is brilliant. I could probably be very happy at 160, but you know, I'm so happy at 165. I'm not stressing about it. If I go down to 160, that's cool. But I've hit the goal I want. I really think goal weight is the weight that you can easily maintain while living the lifestyle that makes you happy. That's your goal weight. The goal weight is happy, you know, not a number, but the weight that your body wants to be while you're living in a way that you can live with. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. The other thing I would say is use the Facebook groups, but then I'd also say play it forward. So if you get likes, give likes. You know, it, it's a, it was a real buzz for me the first time people started paying attention to my pictures. And, and it only happened with your groups. So my first photograph I put up when I went into a 12 for the first time in my life. And, and that's an eight, your size. So I can't wait to fly over to America and buy an eight. Because oh, yeah. I can't fit in an eight over here. But I got over a thousand likes for this photograph. And it oh, gave me what a such great a feeling. feeling of well-being. But then I insist on doing it for other people. Every time I see somebody with a great story, it's a like or a comment. It's acknowledging that they've also done a great job. So pass it forward. Whatever you get from other people, give back to the new people coming along who want to see that kind That's of validation. That's true. The support, well. you know, the support from one another and the validation and the fact that, you know, we're watching and we see what you're doing. And, and it's amazing. And, and I'd also say try and find a local group. So we have a local group, um, a London DDD Fasters group group, you know, Joanna and, and Mandy and Adele and Pauline, Emma, Sue and Lucy. And and we just connect with each other all the time. We do it by I messenger. We, we meet in London and we're dying for you to come over, Jin, so we can bring you to one of our, I want our to. Sunday meetings. <laughs> We'd love to have you there. But we meet in London every now and again. Of course, we haven't been able to do it for a year, but, you know, we're already starting to plan the next time we can get together. And, and I think it's important to have local people that you can talk to. We do Zoom calls together. You know, we, we converse about everything that's going on in the world. And, and I think that's really, really positive for everybody. Well, Elaine, thank you so much for being here today. And I have loved talking to you. And I am going to come to the UK one day, I promise. Uh, We can't wait. There's an absolute open invitation, Jen. We really, really want you to be here. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. 
Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hey, you. It's Jason Bateman. Have you listened to Smartless? Smartless is the podcast that I host with my friends who are more like brothers. The super talented and funny Will Arnett and Sean Hayes is... Jay, Jay, well, Jay, Jay, why are you, yeah. why are you whispering? Well, it, there's there's a psst in the, in, the, in the copy. But people are listening, so it's like... They are listening. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. In each episode of Smartless, one of us reveals our mystery guest to the other two. What ensues is a genuinely improvised and authentic conversation. Our mystery guests span. Our mystery... We'll cut this out. Our mystery guests. All right, here we go. We got a lot of big famous people from different walks of life. And if you're yeah, a Matt Wondery McConaughey, fan, then you're going to... Just you come and listen Tyson. to it. Yeah. We're on Wondery right now and you can listen yeah. to us. And no matter what you're doing, you're at the gym or you're in the car, just listen yeah. to the podcast. Sean, tell them where they can find it. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye. Bye.